Hey, hey, namaste, my fellow Marvel listeners. We are the Marvel Mythos Podcast. This is Spider-Man Life Theft. We're going to be talking Amazing Spider-Man 386 to 388. I am your host, Brian Barley. You can find me on Instagram at Marvel underscore Mythos and on Twitter at Marvel Mythos Pod. I am joined today by the wonderful Liz Sparks. Hey, folks. And where can they find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at SparkyBoyFan. So, unfortunately, Dave was not able to be a part of this. Uh, we are sending prayers to his dog who apparently swallowed a bone and he had to take her to the vet. Oh, no! So, hopefully, she is okay. Although she's named after a DC character, we still love her and hope that she is okay. But this is what... It's not this, the dog's fault. <laughs> it's not. It's not the fault of her. It's Dave's. Please come back to the show. All right. With that being said, Liz, <laughs> you uh, were unable to make it on our last Spider-Man episode. It's true. Which was about uh, the Incredible Hulk and uh, the trial of Spider-Man mm. by the jury. Yes. I I know that you read it because you were ready for it and then mm-hmm. you just had to miss it. So do you have any thoughts you wanted to share on that before we get started on this? Yeah, uh, I enjoyed the Hulk storyline just because it was mild compared to the sort of trudge we had been listening to before kind of just enjoyed a little uh, monster of the week type storyline. And then the trial, it had, you know, its merits, but I wish it would have maybe stuck with a little more gravitas Mm. or stakes or anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of ended and fizzled out. I'm I'm hoping that the jury got picked up in like the Venom storylines that were going on Mm. because I think they were in part of... Were they part of Lethal Protector at all? Yeah, and I've read a few since then. I don't think I've seen them anywhere, so okay, well, we'll maybe, see. maybe they never come back around. But one thing you all missed was, yep. okay, that dude that was dying of lung cancer or whatever. Yep. You all never mentioned like all the really creepy things he said to MJ. <laughs> Elaborate. Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he said something like, hey, sugar jugs or something along sugar those. Sugar jugs? Maybe not those exact words, but some sort of reference to... Her boobs as jugs. I feel and the, like I would have remembered that or caught pretty that. Pretty sure there's some part about jiggle for me or something like that. There is a lot of really creepy. Yeah. And this guy changed her life. Totally. Okay. Well, now I feel terrible for not <laughs> noticing that. All right. Any other thoughts on <laughs> Moving that before on we start Lifecraft? Ah, no, that's all right. All right. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 386 opens with Vulture escaping from Riker's prison. And then we see the PI that Aunt May hired calling Peter to her house in front of May. The PI explains what she hired him to do, and he's found nothing. He tells Peter she may be developing Alzheimer's. A distraught Peter leaves. Later, he heads to ESU to talk with Dr. Sanchez. She stops in the field in human aging, and he asks about May and Alzheimer's. While there, we learn the doctor has created an anti-aging device. It works by sucking the energy life out of someone else and putting that energy into you or whoever's wielding it. Elsewhere, MJ has has to attend a secret hospital promotion at the mall. A fan of the show who thinks that it's all real attempts to kill her for what she did on the show. Security saves her back at ESU. Vulture breaks in, fights Spider-Man, steals the device and uses it on Spider-Man to close out the issue. So, okay. They don't handle it in a very heavy way, but the topic is kind of, is very heavy. The whole idea that your, your aging aunt or your aging relative is, is struggling with Alzheimer's. So, that's going to be a kind of a theme through the next this issue and the next one. So we don't have to necessarily dive into it here, but that is one of the the heavier themes of this story even though it's like all the other ones where the secondary characters don't get the time to actually dive into it. Yeah. And it's all about Peter cuz why not? But uh, that like I said that is a theme here. Vulture himself breaking out of prison. Uh, I don't know. I 
I was I found myself a little surprised that the vulture was better at attacking Spider-Man than Scorpion and Shocker and a lot of the other villains that we've seen. Like I felt like he had more success. Interesting. See, I wasn't focused on that so much. I didn't know like his backstory with the whole So, did he try to have like an assisted suicide or something and Spider-Man stopped him? I think he wanted to die with honor. So there was a scenario where he was just going to die and mm-hmm. Spider-Man saves him and he didn't want to be saved. Interesting. So now he's ticked off because he didn't get to have his honorable death and he's been put in prison to die of cancer in prison. And and as far as I understand it, the suit that he made before is what gave him the cancer. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. So uh, cancer apparently is a theme between these these issues that David Michelini has, has written from what we've seen in the last couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what else did you think of this? So like we get we get the whole vulture fight, which I, like I said, I think was better than some of the other ones that we've seen with like these other second tier villains, at least what I would call second tier villains. Mm-hmm. But uh, what what else did you think about the vulture? Yeah, no, I uh, I know I kind of sympathize with him right now with the whole you know you're gonna die of cancer slowly and painfully and wanting to get out of that. It's a very slippery slope, but I this was probably the first motivation of a villain that I was like, I kind of get that, <laughs> why you're so pissed off. Yeah, I mean, aging for me is a very difficult thing to grasp. Like, I struggle <laughs> because I think about different milestones in my own life, and I'm like, wow, this was X amount of years ago, or from this to this was the same amount of time it's been since that, or whatever it is. Yeah. And that becomes difficult for me to to fathom, to think... Holy crap. Uh, the average life expectancy is like 72 for men, I think, in the U.S., 74, I think, for women, somewhere in that ballpark. So I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, if the next X amount of years go as fast as these, it's going to blink and it's going to be here. So in that sense, I definitely can, can empathize with Vulture to be on the, the last part of your life and trying to extend that. I don't think I would find myself going to the links that he does well, to secure that. You're not, you know, a super villain. But. <laughs> but I can at least understand and relate to him and that yeah. it would be tempting. Like if you have this ability to suck the life out of something else and use it on yourself, then it would be very tempting. Yeah, I think they did a really good job with the overarching storyline of just aging in general throughout this storyline with the, the whole... Uh, Alzheimer's thing was very hard to start reading too because my grandma dealt with that for many years and oh no it's like a really really terrible thing to watch your loved one do that so yeah lots of gut punches in this one I was gonna say so if if that's the case was this one of the more emotional readings that we've had uh yeah some I mean I didn't tear up until the very end when things happen with the parents but you know (laughs) (laughs) okay so I haven't necessarily had to deal with Alzheimer's in my family my grandparent or my grandpa on my mom's side I think is in the early stages Mm -hmm. of something along that or at least dementia or some type of memory loss he's like 83 now though yeah so he's up there and I guess in my own mind I'm like okay I don't see him as often unfortunately Mm -hmm. but at least he's led a long and healthy life and it sucks that he's going through this but at least there are moments when he still remembers everything and but yeah to, to see this with Aunt May and that being Peter's like immediate response mm-hmm. to where he doesn't trust the woman that raised him. Man, Peter's a jerk. I mean, I can understand it to a degree because Aunt May is old, obviously, at this point. And I mean, if your, your grandma or whatever came in and 
told you, oh, I don't think these are actually your parents. I mean, I can understand she's to an age now that you can think, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, she's starting to slip a little bit. And I, Okay, fair enough. If it were Peter Parker as just Peter Parker and he's not Spider-Man. But mm. good Lord, the things this guy has seen as Spider-Man. Yeah, like, yeah. Maybe, maybe entertain the idea. Oh, you know what? Maybe my parents aren't who they say they are. I mean, they were missing for 20 whatever years. Like, Yeah. But then you also got like, you don't have your parents for 20 years and then you get them back. You want so bad for that to be your parents. Yeah. He, he struggled with it what, for like the first little arc that they came back. And then mm-hmm. after that, he just dove right in. Yeah. And we see a little bit later how he dives even more. And yeah. yeah. We also get Peter going uh, to or in his apartment and it's yes. the new apartment that they've found. Mm-hmm. And he's setting up this lair, and I guess he uses the same signal for the lair security as a spider tracer, so it mm-hmm. sets off a spider sense? Yeah, I didn't get the scene. I mean, like, I understood what was happening, but I don't know why they put it in there, because it doesn't pay off at all later on. I expect, expected something to happen with the lair, like someone breaks in later, or his spider senses are too high, so he can mm. feel it across the town or something, but it just... Yeah, it's just a one little throwaway scene. Yeah, I, I wonder if the intent was to show us an interaction between Peter and MJ where uh, he doesn't tell her about Aunt May because mm-hmm. later he references that he hasn't even talked to her about it. Yeah. So I, I I just don't understand how Peter still through all of this is not opening up to his wife about these things. Does, does Zach struggle with communication? <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> also at the beginning of the scene peter was wearing a backwards hat and i did not realize who he was until the spider sense went off <laughs> holy crap he was wearing a backwards mm-hmm. hat that yeah, like who's this random dude sitting on a couch he he doesn't wear hats no that's awkward that yeah, was really weird he's taking fashion tips from flash thompson i guess <laughs> sure so the other stuff that happens in this we get mj at the mall for this promotion that she really doesn't want to go to mm-hmm. and that is another conversation i think that happens so we've got mj trying to open up to peter and peter not opening up to her mm-hmm. and then we get the the scene at at the mall in this scene we get this psycho woman who thinks that the soap opera is real and tries to kill her what are your thoughts on that uh, well, first off, before that, MJ's very reluctant to do this. She's just like, I can't believe I'm like sewing myself in front of all of these people. And I just, oh no. I was kind of turned off by that because, you know, lots of celebrities go and do meet and greets and stuff. And at a they mall? at least, well, I mean, it's the 90s. Where else did they go then? And <laughs> they at least pretend to be excited to meet their fans. And she was just, yeah, kind of mean about it. <laughs> True. I took it more of, um, that she's been downgraded to recurring and now she has to go do this public appearance that yeah. she doesn't want to do anyway because she's mad at the show and she feels it's beneath her. Not so much the fans, but just the venue. Mm-hmm. That's where yeah. where I came at it as. And then, so she almost gets killed by this woman and her response in her mind is, she, she tried to kill me. She really tried to kill me. Good Lord, is this what Peter deals with every day? Wow. Like, why why are we turning this around about Peter? Like, you just literally almost died. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so we we have this where she's starting to relate to Peter. Hmm. And I don't I don't feel like we got a scenario where Peter really related to her. No, but it gets worse and worse throughout the, yeah. the issue. Um, but I do want to point out that <laughs> the lady who attacks her, first off, looks like Shriek. Thought it was Shriek at first. <laughs> And then calls her a round-heeled trollop, which is now my new favorite insult. 
I don't I don't even know what that what that would mean. Like I yeah, she looks like Shriek a little bit. I actually thought of Callisto from the Morlocks and X Men. Honestly, if you look at the the structure of her arms, like the density of her arms, she looks like she's probably on heroin. Yeah, maybe. Like yeah. just from her reaction, her face, and then the and her build. It does have that vibe where she's where she's on something. But also, I want to praise the artist. I think Bag- did Bagley do this one? He did. Yeah. Um, MJ's face throughout the entire confrontation is awesome. Every expression that she has is exactly what you would expect someone in the situation to have. Yeah, and it's very... If it weren't for the dialogue where she's starting to reflect on Peter, mm-hmm. I would have been so much more emotionally invested in that last scene of her crying over it. Mm, yeah. Like that that shock and that reaction. I would have been like, holy crap, you know, this is a very traumatizing experience for her. But instead, it's turned around to make her try and empathize with Peter. And I'm like, no, Peter's being a jerk to you in everything that we've read. And like, stop empathizing with Peter. But I yeah. digress. I mean, they could have gotten away with just being like, oh, my God, I almost died. And then she runs home and they have, they have that scene later yeah. where Peter doesn't <laughs> like do anything That's to help her. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, it's almost like we talked in the last episode about the cancer situation where she's exposed to the guy who's had cancer and he's about to die. And her immediate reaction is to get ticked at Peter. But before they even leave the hospital, she's like, nope, I'm quitting smoking now. Like, like it worked on her. It was too mm-hmm. quick that it worked on her. And I feel like this is the same where it was a little too rushed. Yeah. And had she got to go home and then reflect on it, then had that thought, I, it probably would have made more sense to me. But yeah. in this, it just doesn't feel as realistic. Yeah, that whole cancer scene is the equivalent to the, um, this is your brain on drugs with the fried eggs. <laughs> <laughs> so the vulture fight. So I want to I wanna go ahead and praise Bagley now and again later. But these fights are super smooth super Mm -hmm. crystal clear it's not like some of the other fights where even he's done where it gets a little chaotic and you're not sure what's happening i felt like every panel made sense there was nothing lost between panels as far as like how the action was playing out Mm -hmm. and that's not something that you always see in comics sometimes it can be a little like wait what happened from this they were in this position but i felt like this actually flowed almost as smoothly as something you would see uh, in film or in live action yeah, I agree. I did. I never got bored reading these fights, though. So. Um, also, speaking of the great art, the last page with the en- energy transfer between Peter and Vulture is gorgeous. I love that page so much. Um, but also, who makes a freaking machine that transfers life force from one person to another? So I think the idea <laughs> is it transfers life from something to something else. So you could say... Drain the life of a cow because people eat cows and, you know, but I don't know how long that would get you in human time, but maybe Uh, I think that's the idea. Like, how do you apply it to something else that you're more able to to accessibly use that? And like she even made the point, I think, like right now, because we've never tested and we don't want to test it on humans. We don't know how to actually make it to actually make sure that it works. Yeah. So that's the. That's kind of where I land on it was they made this device for the idea to use it in a separate way and then haven't figured out how to use it that way yet. So they didn't put it into use. And now Vulture's here to put it into use. Yep. With those creepy uh, gauntlets or whatever that he puts on his hands. Yeah. <laughs> that make it super ominous. <laughs> uh, and then I also love that during the fight, he acknowledges that they are in the buildings that Hulk and he 
help demolish and the stories beforehand that were already being demolished by a construction crew so they're not destroying <laughs> anything they're actually helping a demolition crew yeah they should be mm-hmm. getting paid for this yep it's the whole it's like <laughs> safety glass <laughs> yeah it's like uh in age of ultron when iron man and hulk are fighting and he's like hey let's go find this abandoned abandoned building that i can take hulk in really all right amazing spider-man 387 after sucking the life from Spider-Man, Vulture is now young and leaves Spidey to die of old age. Struggling with the newfound elderly body, Spider-Man goes to his apartment. MJ arrives needing to talk about her near-death experience. He hides from her and leaves before she can. Meanwhile, Vulture goes to his warehouse and gets a new suit while a mystery figure watches on. Vulture begins to revert back to his age, and the mystery figure approaches, offering to help him. Elsewhere on his way back to ESU to see Dr. Sanchez, Spider-Man begins to feel better and realizes that the aging effects were temporary. He's back to normal. Then he sees people loading up the anti-aging device into a van. Vulture arrives. They battle. Spider-Man hears the doctor scream, swings up to her. There she's thrown out the window by someone looking just like her. Spider-Man saves her and thinks he knows who threw her. Later, having lost the device and Vulture, Peter asks a friend at the bugle to track down the info for the plates of the van. Then he swings to his parents and unmasks in front of them, revealing his identity. After he leaves, they say, Peter must now die. Bum, bum, bum. Such a long con. <laughs> Dude, it's a, yeah, it is. Like across, We said across years, or at least a year, wasn't it? Easily a year, probably a little over. Yeah. But, it's yes. pretty impressive. Well, <laughs> until we get to the next issue and figure out what it is. Well, you know, <laughs> the ending justifies it. Okay. Fine, fine, fine. Uh, this was a fantastic cover. The cover is amazing. It's gorgeous. Yeah. That, of the three issues, it's probably the best cover. Oh, yeah. By far. I'm trying to even remember the other ones, though. But yeah, I, I like seeing I like seeing the young vulture. Yeah. The- he's got a little bit of a, um, of a Cletus Cassidy look about him, mm. but still a little bit of his own. I can see what you're saying there. I hadn't put that connection together, but now that you're mentioning it, I can see it. Mm -hmm. But I just, I like the idea of someone who's struggled with his abilities against Spider-Man or in crime because of his age and now no longer having to worry about the age and, and utilize his, you know, his um, wings in a way that he only dreamt of. And like, we even see him doing those, like different maneuvers in the in the city as he's flying back to his warehouse to get his new suit and he's making comments like I, w- I haven't been able to do this in years or I didn't I've never been able to do this so I think that's a, a cool dynamic I can't imagine what it would be like to to normally feel wheezy you know like your spirit animal um <laughs> black fox yes. I, I can't imagine what it would feel like to be wheezy after you know going up a flight of stairs and then being able to do the type of thing that he's doing yeah uh, Agreed. Uh, I feel like there's probably someone out there who read this and felt their first uh, bit of existential dread after reading it, because that's what this whole issue feels like. Tell, tell me how you really felt, Liz. Like, what, what did you feel as reading this? <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's just uh, you take Peter, who's this kid who's got all these powers and he's young and got his whole life ahead of him. And then suddenly he's old and <laughs> and his suit doesn't even fit oh, him anymore. I loved that touch. It's just sagging off his body. <laughs> oh, that was so good. And he like swings one time and he's like, oh my God, my arm just almost came out of a socket or whatever he says. Yeah, yeah. Like he can't, he can't handle anything. Like he's wheezy, just crawling up the mm-hmm. wall. And, but again, what, what does he think is going to happen with MJ that he's not just up front with her right now? Yeah, that was, that was hard. That whole scene. Um, 
And at first, I wasn't sure if she had said the whole bit about almost getting shot before he left, but then they confirmed later that he did. Yeah. I'm like, for the love of... I mean, like, she's going to be shocked, but your wife almost (laughs) died, and you just left. That's that's where I had the problem. At first, I'm like, okay, he went out the window and he swung away before she actually started that part because he's afraid of her seeing him old. But then later, like you said, we find out, no, he straight up admits to her, like, I heard you say this, but I was old and didn't want you to see me, which takes precedent over you almost getting killed and struggling with that. So I swung out the window. Yeah. And she was okay with that. She's like, it's a bad time to have given up cigarettes. <laughs> Gonna go get my juicy fruit. <laughs> Our producer's laughing, but that's literally what she says. Yeah, no, that's the quote. <laughs> she says juicy fruit. She yeah. says juicy fruit. Wow. What a weird advertisement. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what kind of, you know, deals Marvel had with juicy fruit at the time. Yeah. I think having grown up a Spider-Man fan, thanks to the TV show, and then being a fan, maybe not a huge fan, but at least a fan through now, it's really hard to see Peter Parker like this. Yeah. They had a good relationship in the cartoon didn't they i don't remember any of this well they didn't really get married till the end and it was like the whole he kept ditching when they were on dates but it was never like this like this is just straight Mm -hmm. up he doesn't care he's just focused on himself he's very self-absorbed yeah uh as parker but selfless as spider-man so i got a lot of questions about this whole energy exchange and how it affects his cancer because as it's changing he's like i feel the cancer curing yeah i don't know how you feel that but not i mean (laughs) not just that but okay so the logistics of this he becomes young which somehow magically changes his cancer even though you know young people get cancer all the time um does that like transfer the cancer to peter does peter not have cancer and now that they've switched back to their old and new bodies is the cancer still cured or does it just randomly come back with the energy transfer because depending on that Maybe mm. we found a cure for cancer. What if you transfer <laughs> your energy with a young person and it gets rid of your cancer and then you become old again, but you still don't have cancer? So this is what Dr. Sanchez had in mind all along. In this. Exactly. Like, that was her whole plan to cure cancer. Exactly. And Vulture was a test subject and it worked. So I don't know what the problem is with his fight with, with Spider-Man. Totally. It's totally worth it. Like if his little fight with Spider-Man is what it costs to get us cure for cancer. I'm down. Yeah. Spider-Man, you should lose that fight every day. I'm fine with that. But <laughs> no, I, I don't I don't know that they really thought through the logistics of this because I'm pretty sure when he reverts back to an old age, he even mentions like feeling the cancer again. Yeah. But I don't really understand that part. Like, but I, and I wonder, it almost makes me feel like, is it an anti-aging and that does it revert you to what your body was like when you were that age? Or like, does it just make you younger? You know what I mean? Like, because if he was that age... He wouldn't have had the cancer. He didn't get the cancer until he was older. So it's like a literal time travel? That's what I'm like positing right now as we're talking about it. But I hadn't put that much thought into the whole logistics of the anti-aging device. Hmm. It's it's almost like when Austin was like, dude, these scientists are doing this work. And I'm like, I, dude, it's comics. I just <laughs> glossed right over that. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. Like I just glossed right over them. Like this is how they're going to play it out. So that's fine. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe that would explain it. Hmm. Also, how do you get liver spots? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So the other thing that uh, I wanted to point on this, we mentioned it in the, the summary, but Vulture gets a new costume. I love the new costume. I do too, except for the headpiece. I think it's too low on his eyes. Okay. Fair point. I think the headpiece works when he's young. Mm. 
But when he's old, it looks ridiculous. But I, I feel like at some point they'll drop the headpiece. But it's such a better costume compared to his original one. For sure. That I'm like, okay, this is a huge upgrade for you, Vulture. So between this and Spider-Man Homecoming, I'm actually quite a fan of the Vulture. Nice. Yeah, you were hating on him when we uh, saw he was in the upcoming issues. So I know. I was, it's good to hear you have changed your mind. I mean, I loved Michael Keaton's portrayal. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. He's honestly... If he's not my favorite MCU villain, he is really freaking close. Uh, any other thoughts on this one before we shift gears? So when he's thinking about who he's going to turn to after he realizes he can't talk to MJ, for a brief moment, I thought it was going to be Felicia. <laughs> you were hoping, weren't you? <laughs> well, no, because that would <laughs> that would make it even more complicated. Uh, yeah. So who does he go? He goes to his parents then? Is that where that leads? I think so, yeah. Okay, it feels like that's a lot of page a lot of pages later, so. Yeah, I think it was because um well, so he started to empathize with Aunt May as he was old. Yeah. So he started to like turn the leaf there and be like, "Wow, I've really been treating her terribly." Mm-hmm. So then I think he was heading to ESU and he started to revert back. Is that I don't know. So I think like yeah. I think the idea was to go to his parents, but he wanted to go to ESU first for some reason. Oh yeah, it would have been eight May then. He was on his way over there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that, that makes sense. That was probably it. Oh, which I had a brief moment of fear when I thought he was gonna go say hi to Aunt May, and then there'd be some storyline where Aunt May like falls in love with old Peter. <laughs> oh god. Oh my gosh, it's like a reverse Back to the Future. That would be terrible. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. Oh man. Before we do move on. How did you feel when he took his mask off for his parents? Okay, so you had mentioned before sort of the whole he doesn't trust Aunt May to believe that she's not losing her mind. This felt like an even bigger slap in the face because here he is revealing his identity to these people that at first he didn't think was his parents, who he hasn't seen in 20 years, and he can reveal his identity to them, but he can't reveal it to the woman who raised him. Can't reveal it to her. And in the very same issue was elderly himself and empathized with Aunt May mm-hmm. and still makes this decision. I, I'm finding it very difficult to like Peter Parker. Yeah, they make it really hard. <laughs> Do you think the writers are trying to make it hard to like Peter Parker? I don't know. They have to be at this point. But see, can't be. <laughs> the problem I have with saying that is because MJ's reaction, as I think Austin pointed out in the previous episode, is that Peter's right. About the quitting smoking. So she ends up being okay with the fact that he took her there because she sees the future and she quit smoking. And then in this one, we also get an almost like Peter's right moment with the whole her being attacked and then empathizing with how Peter feels every day. So like I find it difficult to say that like they're painting him out to be the jerk and it's just our 21st century mentality going back and reading this. We're like, this is very susceptible. Like why are or suspect why are you doing this i don't know i almost wonder if that's more of just a weakness of them trying to write mj who is a female character (laughs) versus Um, because there's other times when i feel like they're obviously making spider-man a jerk or hard to love it could be it could be the struggle with understanding female characters and how to write them yeah that's a good point the part where dr sanchez there's two of them I thought they were going with a, an evil twin, <laughs> and I wanted that to be the case very badly, because I had no idea who the chameleon was. I didn't recognize oh, him when he came no. out. Yeah, this is my first experience with him. Yeah, he's 
much better in this than he is in the TV show. He's pretty lame in the TV show. But as soon as he showed up, I'm like, yeah, or as soon as there were two Dr. Sanchez, I'm like, oh, that's the chameleon. Okay, that's fine. I'm like, I get it, Spidey. I agree with you. It's the, it's the chameleon. Um, but the page where the chameleon reveals himself is hilarious. So I think the writing's pretty good throughout all of this, except for this one scene. And maybe the art, too, because he uh, steps out from the shadows of the janitor's face. And then he makes that face, that funny face you make where you, like, give yourself three chins by, like, you know, drawing oh, yeah. your face up into your neck. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he reveals himself. And then he starts saying some weird stuff about, oh, yeah, I'm very, very different than what you think <laughs> I am or something. Okay, I'll, I will allow that nitpick on this, this three-issue <laughs> arc. Uh, Anything else before we move to 388? Uh, yeah, I've now discovered my favorite Spider-Man quote of all time, and it's going to be really hard to beat this one. Which is? Sticks and guns may bruise oh, my yeah. buns, but unconscious guys will never hurt me. Oh, God. It's so bad. It's beautiful. <laughs> I, I want in my bio on the website to change whatever that other quote is to that. Okay. I might be able to make that happen. Okay. Um, <laughs> and one more thing with Dr. Sanchez. So, uh, A... Terrible day to wear a skirt, dangling outside <laughs> over all of the city, a big old skirt. And um, I hope if I'm ever faced with a near-death experience, I will have the quippiness of her because she says, better oomph than splat. Oh, yeah. I like that because she, yeah, so she's hanging there and she's like, and uh, he's, he hits her with the web shooter, right? Like to catch yeah, her. and it like jerks her arm. And then she's like, oomph. I wonder... <laughs> I wonder if Spider-Man ever gets afraid to do that when people are falling because of what happened with Gwen. Oh, maybe. And she's a little heavier, too, so he's probably worried that it hurt her. (laughs) And 388, it's quickly quickly revealed that Vulture's partner is the chameleon. He tells Vulture he wants to be the new crime lord of New York and that if he works for him, he will help him use the anti-aging device without it reversing. The problem is it's an artificial device and needs artificial life to transfer it. Uh, Peter visits Aunt May, says he wants her mentally tested. His parents walk in, his spider sense go off. Uh, spider sense goes off. Instantly, he regrets downing Aunt May. Later, using his contacts at the bugle in the previous issue, Spidey is able to track the location of the van through the plate numbers. Once close, he uses his spider tracer to pinpoint the vulture and chameleon. While spying on them, chameleon introduces vulture to his greatest creations, Richard and Mary Parker. They are AI synthesoids that he created to get close to Peter to learn the true identity of Spider-Man. Before the dad is able to reveal it's Peter, Spider-Man barges in to stop them. He struggles with fighting his father as his mother struggles with turning on Peter. Chameleon flees in the chaos and Mary electrocutes Richard, causing him to die. Then Vulture grabs Mary and drains the life essence out of her and into himself. Spider-Man defeats him too late. He watches as his mom dies. Vulture is carried off by the police. And Spidey reflects that he is young and stabilized, the vulture that is, but it's almost as if the vulture's own life has become artificial. Afterwards, Peter tells MJ he's going to track down the person behind the chameleon for this. Okay. This entire issue was so brutal (laughs) in so many ways. Tell me, tell me some of the ways that you're, you're thinking of. Well, first off, just the conversation with Peter and Aunt May where he, like, comes out to her and is pretty much like, yeah, I think you're losing your mind. And his whole little reaction to her face when he says that. Yeah. I've seen that conversation happen in real life before, oh. so that was rough. Oof. Yeah. Um, and then just the whole thing with the parents. God, just watching him, like, watch the giant air duct. Giant air ducts, guys. They're back. <laughs> uh find out that these parents that he's finally got back from the dead are just been robots the whole time 
hell-bent on murdering him. <laughs> it's, uh, while the concept is very difficult, and I would I would struggle, obviously, if I were in him, his place, there's just some stuff that happens in it that I'm like, no, what? For instance, uh, so there's a part where they're fighting, and um, so there's a part where they're fighting. While he's fighting his dad, this this T-1000, because let's face it, that's what he looks like, T-1000 uh-huh. from Terminator 2. Spider-Man struggles because it looks like his dad. Then his bright idea is to punch his face so much it no longer looks like his dad. Uh. If you're struggling because it looks like your dad, why are you like, I'm going to be okay punching him in the face? Once the fight started going, I kind of felt like it was maybe a bit of a metaphor. Because, uh, you know, Spider-Man's supposed to be sort of like that every teenager. I mean, he's like a young man now, but like the every teenager. And of all the guys I've known as teenagers, they've not, none of them have had very good relationships with their dads. <laughs> so I kind of hmm. wondered if maybe the writers were getting something out there. I don't know. There was just so much in it that I'm like, dude, he, he doesn't even look like your dad much anymore. Yeah. And you're struggling right now. And then your idea is to just... Punch his face so much he stops looking like your dad. Yeah, no, that felt more impactful to me. I felt like it was just him snapping and becoming desperate. We have some writing questions before we carry on. (laughs) Some texting questions. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So what is a synthesoid? It is like an android. (laughs) So more or less just call it an android to to make it work. And it was how the vulture, no, it was the chameleon that perfectly recreated his parents he, I don't remember, I think he does have some type of background in this type of process, but I, cause I mean, he's, he's able to adapt his own self. He's like, he's created a technology that allows him to shift his own body to a, to look different. So, so he's, he's technology just, based, not like, I think so. Yeah. Gamma ray based. And the cartoon is very much technology based. Gotcha. So like if you defeat what he uses to do it, he can't change anymore. So I'm assuming in the comic it's very similar, and he's just taken that and adapted it to the android uh, or synthesoids. The <laughs> love that I'm just reading off questions. <laughs> what were the parents' goals the whole time? So the parents' goals were to get Peter Parker to open up to them about who Spider-Man was, or to trace or track Peter till they see who Spider-Man is, because Spider-Man has his pictures taken all the time by Peter Parker and submitted to the Bugle, so everyone thinks they have this close relationship instead of figuring out it's one and the same. Um, the, why did they get the jobs at the UN? Good question. <laughs> have no freaking clue. Um, well, they point out that this whole time they didn't know they were robots. They, oh, Yeah, right. it wasn't until Peter revealed himself as Spider-Man. That was the stimuli that then set off whatever reaction that they're like, okay, now we have to go to our master. And tell him our things, um, which I would like to point out. What if we're all just robots and we haven't discovered the stimuli? Now you're, that, now you're talking about the Matrix, okay? <laughs> this is the show about Marvel Comics, not the Matrix. I love the Matrix. This is real but, life, Brian. What if we're all just robots? I mean, now you're talking. Now you're talking philosophy, though. Like that's a very serious question that has been dealt with in philosophy or struggled with in philosophy uh-huh. how do we know that we're not just some artificial you know intelligent or whatever um and then as far as uh, vulture himself or chameleon no they did not know who peter or Sp- spider-man is they were about to learn that when spider-man barges in and stops them but yes i are we all just synthesoids yeah, yeah. i think so i mean they talk about <laughs> I mean, why not? 
I mean, they talk about the brain being like the most sophisticated computer mm-hmm. ever created. Well, depends on what you say, created or evolved. But uh, yeah, like, and there's also talks about uh, in like 100 years time or hear about like they're thinking they're going to be able to artificially upload your consciousness into a computer or an AI so that you could theoretically live forever. I don't think it would be the same, but at least your intelligence itself would. So yeah, there I maybe maybe we all are. Yeah. And then when we find our stimuli, that's enlightenment. <laughs> what is, what is our trigger word? <laughs> That Spider-Man's a menace. Spider-Man killed his dad. <laughs> the mom killed the dad with electrocution or something? Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Yeah, so the mom... So I love that we have a, a, a caller this time. <laughs> <laughs> so... All of it. Why not? You I mean, better not cut my robot theory. No, I can't cut <laughs> don't, don't cut it. Don't cut any of this except this right here where I'm telling you not to cut any of this. No, not even that. Just leave it all. If you subscribe to the Patreon, this is what you get. I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, no, so the the mom, it's like, a, so the trigger words happened where she knows what she's programmed to do, yeah. but her own AI has like developed to the point where she's struggling to handle it because more or less motherly instinct is to not turn on your kid and have them murdered. So she's like, no, Richard, we have to protect Peter. And Richard's like, no, this is our programming. And then... So in an effort to save Spider-Man, she takes some of the stuff that's, I don't remember, some kind of the wiring that was there, and she mm-hmm. just shoves it into his back and, like, he catches down he fire. goes. Yeah. yeah. Dang. And then um, he's toast. But the writing's really good, because even throughout that, like, she, even though she knows that she is a synthesoid or whatever, she still looks at Richard like it's her husband. Like, he's getting beaded up, and Spider-Man puts his foot through... Uh, the dad's chest and she's still like Richard like she's still reacting like her husband's being brutalized so true she does okay fair point and then but on the flip side of that Spider-Man puts his foot through his dad's chest and then says (laughs) I've got to figure out a way to actually start fighting him because I'm holding back you just put your foot through his chest you're not holding back well it didn't work so (laughs) I mean yeah I mean like but come on Drop him in the bath like a toaster. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> she would be like, why haven't they taken a shower since they've been here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, maybe they just go up there and turn on the water and, like, hang out in the bathroom. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they can get wet. Just don't apply electricity. I know. Uh, so... <laughs> Oh my god. Ugh. This went way off the rails. So back to it being brutally sad. Yeah. His mom is, you know, like grabbed by the back of the neck by a vulture and all of her artificial life sucked out. And then he starts wailing on the vulture and screaming, Give her back, don't go away, not again. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 some heavy stuff. And right before her so her last words are I love you, but before she says that, we didn't know, remember that. I mean it is like, see, that's the thing. It's extremely sad, but it was really hard for me to get emotionally invested at this point because of some of the dialogue that he was having inner dialogue about the dad. I thought it was good. But <laughs> the inner dialogue about the dad, the rest of the dialogue is great. So like everything that's going on with his mom and how she's struggling and everything mm-hmm. that Peter's dealing with with his mom, 
totally fine with and like would have been fine with some of the inner monologue with like that he's struggling with his dad if the action wouldn't have depicted something else and i almost wonder if this has more to do with the marvel plotting method than it does like bad writing maybe so for those of you who don't know marvel used to do this thing where the writer would submit x amount of plot points and then the artist would be allowed to draw that however he felt and then the writer would get that and then come in and actually fill in the script and the words. So the words weren't already preconceived necessarily. The plot points were, and then they would use the art to determine how some of the, the descriptions or dialogue would go. So I wonder if it's more of like, well, we got drawn into the situation. I had this intention for the dialogue and now we're kind of stuck. But may, maybe I just justified it enough for myself. But no, it is, it's, it's very emotional uh, with his mom. And then like to think like, He's, how's he going to react when he loses Aunt May at some point? Like, yeah. Oh, let's not even go there. Come yeah. on now. <laughs> let's recover from this. But I, I can't I can't possibly imagine what it's like to have not seen your parents in 20 years. I guess it would be almost like if uh, you were adopted or um, put in foster care or something, and then after spending 10, 15 years with whoever your adoptive parent was and your real parent comes back, I can't imagine the joy and elation that you might feel if you were wanting them back and if it was a solid reason why they were back or, and then to have them taken away, you know, six months later or a year later when you're thinking about all this time you already missed yeah. and now you're going to miss it all, all what you thought you were going to have. That'd be extremely difficult. Yeah. But on a lighter note, I really like the scene where uh, Spider-Man barges in and the vulture's like, how did you find me here? I got rid of your spider tracer in my truck. <laughs> and then the chameleon finds the tracer on the back of Vulture's back. <laughs> and he's like, you know him so well, huh? It's on your back. But at the same time, it's like, how did you find me? He traced the the license plate number on the van. Oh, Yeah. Did that ever get resolved? I don't even remember. Yeah. It did? Yeah. yeah. He mentions it. So like he uses that to narrow down a vicinity and then he uses spider uh, tracer sense whatever yeah. to figure out exactly like what room they're in. Hmm. But as far as like what building and area, yeah. you freaking took the same van back there. What yep. the what the heck? But okay. Um. Also, do you think that they're going to follow through with the Vulture's new like artificial mind state going forward or the next time we see the vulture is he just gonna be an old dude again i think i think they'll keep him young i don't know about his intelligence level Hmm. like i think there might be some play there on how they do that or it might by the time he comes back it might be a different writer and they might do something different but i do think he stays young for at least a little bit okay i hope they follow through with that also of all the storylines we've read so you know the ongoing theme is like spider-man every time is like yeah this is thing that's gonna make me snap i'm gonna i'm gonna be brutal this time i'm gonna you know no holds barred and i think if they don't do it this time (laughs) then they've wasted a huge storyline uh so i i really hope that this is like the moment before peter actually snaps and does something that actually affects his character long term if you really think they're going to do something that affects Don't rain on my parade, Brian. <laughs> Let me just feel this for a moment. <laughs> Maybe that was their long con all along, you know, put them in maximum carnage where hundreds of people are dying over the course of three days or, you know, and he still doesn't murder, but now his, his mommy and daddy have been taken from him and, well, his synthesoid versions of his mommy and daddy. Yeah. Well, the cover for the next one looks really good. He's holding a tombstone over Chameleon's head, so <laughs> I hope he hits him. 
hope he brutally murders him with that tombstone. <laughs> That's what I hope. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? Not on the main story. So there are two side stories in the back of this issue. One is about Venom. One is about Cardiac and Chance. Was yeah. it? I don't even want to talk about Cardiac and Chance. So <laughs> I got you, some questions, but let's get through Venom You can ask fast. them. I won't have them. Okay. Or answers. <laughs> this but, will just be five minutes of me saying things. <laughs> yes, that's fine. So Venom, we get a little like 10 pager or so on Venom. And it's like a fill in the gap of some of the stuff that happened and a couple of other issues that we have not read for this podcast. I think it was uh, Web of Spider-Man 18 and 24. Um, so Venom, Eddie Brock is struggling with this whole fact that he's lost his job because of Spider-Man and Peter and and Venom's the symbiote is starting to take over a little bit. And he goes to somebody he knows who I guess is a druggie is what we're kind of led, you know, clearly stated or whatever, because he says he wants pills and vials and all this other stuff. And he goes to him for help on this and he gives him some advice on how to handle it. And then Venom goes out and he institutes some of that advice um, one of the things is we actually see the before Venom shoves Spider-Man uh, in his first appearance. So the first real brief appearance of Venom is just a hand and you see it push Spider-Man in the back and he's flipped out like because somebody was able to hit him and his spider sense didn't go off. And then Venom does that. He escapes from some cops, goes back to this friend druggie, gives him, I guess he gets some more advice, goes and does that again. I don't even remember exactly yeah. what he well, did. Well, the guy's a vet. Like he's... He was a veteran. Okay. And then, That's what yeah. it was. And he was supposedly like a recovered druggie. Yeah. And yeah. And then, so he goes and um, sneaks up on Spider-Man once more, does nothing to him, which I guess is Web of Spider-Man 24, and escapes from there. And now he's really proven to himself that Spider-Man's Spider-Sense doesn't do anything when he goes to attack him. So that gives him an element of surprise. And when he returns to the addict or the former addict, the, the veteran, mm-hmm. He finds him dead from an overdose with drugs that he was able to acquire because Venom gave him money. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that drastically impacts Venom, which I guess is their way of explaining why he is going after um, drug dealers or whatever and some of the other Venom storylines, right? Isn't that like his whole thing, like to help the innocent? Yeah, I mean, it's not just drug dealers or whatever, but okay. yeah. I hated this story. Yeah. Absolutely hated it. Why? Uh, well, first off, I apparently only like Venom if Bagley draws him. The uh, I hated the art in this. Absolutely. They did one thing where, like, the teeth overlaid Eddie's face instead of, like, mashing into his face. Hated that. Um, but first, just, like, Eddie comparing his experience with Spider-Man to the experience of a vet who's, like, been screwed over by the system, comes home, has nowhere to go, has all these terrible mental health issues going on that he can only turn to drugs with because he can't afford like mental health stuff yeah it felt super super gross yeah which i mean is the point yeah i mean but still i i don't know i i feel like because venom was so popular they tried to humanize him and make him an anti-hero or a hero or whatever yeah and I don't feel like i've ever been like oh yeah i really like venom as a hero or whatever and like yeah. And this, this doesn't yeah. help me get there. This just no. further solidifies, like, no. Yeah, and usually his, like, de- like he's always delusional. That's his big personality trait or whatever. But usually his delusions are a little more lighthearted than I felt like they played in this mm. one. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, this one just kind of grossed me out. 
Um, and also, I just I don't like the idea that his like fighting tactics or whatever came from a retired vet. <laughs> I kind of prefer okay. the orange origin story they did in Venom, where it's like, oh, he developed a relationship with the symbiote, and they learned together how to use his powers, and it was just driven by his hatred for Spider Man. Yeah, Not like I'm gonna go to this guy who fought for our country. <laughs> And learn how to take down Spider-Man. <laughs> Except, I don't know, he, he learned from him, but it wasn't, I don't know, I didn't really see It wasn't tactics, of, it was yeah. like mindset, which also makes it even grosser. Yeah, because he's like, you know, if you want to do this, you have to embrace one, Eddie Brock is no longer, you have to embrace who you, like, this mindset. So that's when he's like, oh, we are just Venom, we're no longer Eddie Brock. Yeah. Um. So it's like a, I don't know, an awkward way of showing that. I, I cannot remember, I thought i don't remember if it was michelini or bagley but one of them i read where they were talking about the origin of venom and that hand that you see and i think it's web of spider-man 18 and we get a glimpse of here being Mm -hmm. venom the whole idea when that happened was it was going to be a female interesting so venom was originally intended to be a woman and the editor told them no so speaking of a female venom Mm -hmm. Uh, there was a little piece of the comic, the main story, where it, it was when MJ realizes that Peter has left after she told him he got shot or, or she got, almost got shot, and she's just got this real evil eye, and I want so bad for there to be a storyline where MJ turns into a supervillain. <laughs> I want it so bad. <laughs> I mean, honestly, with everything that's happened to her and the way Peter is being, I could see her actually having a very Eddie Brock mentality. Well, yeah, I've said I got, I got a storyline. I'm going to pitch it real fast. Uh, so what if she becomes like super villain, but she disguises herself? They become rivals for a while. He finally unmasks her. She's like, this is the only way I could get your attention. <laughs> so she <laughs> she goes to prison. Someone tries to escape. There's an explosion. Venom's there. Symbiote gets on MJ. Symbiote starts to go back to Eddie, pauses for a second, slides right into MJ. Tells Eddie, sorry, but I finally found someone who hates Spider-Man more than you do. Ooh. And that is the start of MJ Venom. I would be totally fine with that in a what-if or an alternate universe, because I don't (laughs) think they would do that in the main line. No, of course not. But in an alternate or even what-if, because what-if is kind of making a comeback, uh, that would be be an awesome little take. Make it happen, Marvel. And then you better pay me. <laughs> All right, so cardiac and chance. Oh wait, no, I got one. Okay, so Venom says that Peter took his sweet aunt to Atlantic City for rest and relaxation. Isn't that a party town? Why'd you take your old aunt to Atlantic City? Do they have good food? The only only thing I know Atlantic City for is like bachelorette parties. Mm. Well, you know, maybe Aunt May would like that. <laughs> maybe I she's mean, a wild child. She's been a widow for a very long time. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> and I love that there's random people who are uh, reacting to Eddie talking to himself, like on the bus and oh, on yeah. the street. And, like, yeah. They're just like, what the, who's this guy talking to? And they just walk off. Yeah. And the one woman in the, what was he, she in the subway or the train or whatever. Yeah, she's like, I'm oh, just going to go to the next one. This guy's crazy. So cardiac and chance. Oh, you're actually going to acknowledge it. All right. I mean, I'm go. acknowledging your acknowledgement <laughs> of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't write out what actually happened, so you're gonna have to give us a summary. Brian. I don't have one of those. Did so you <laughs> I don't care anything about it. No summary. Cardiac and Chance are in the back of this. If you want to read it, sorry, <laughs> but it's Cardiac and Chance. Why would anyone want to read that? We just spent we just spent 45 pages of seeing 
well, 35 or whatever of Spider-Man and the Vulture and his parents and this awesome, amazing story. We get 10 pages of Venom, which if you're a Venom fan, makes sense. Fine. You get a little bit more backstory, even if you hated it like Viz. Liz. Wow. Um, Viz is your Venom name. It is. Uh, But at least it's a Venom story and you're a Venom fan. Who are fans of Cardiac and Chance that care about these 10 pages? Like, no, this doesn't fit with the quality of the rest of the book. Period. I don't care. Go ahead, Liz. So I've never heard of Chance before. Neither this is I. my first uh, introduction to him. So since Brian isn't going to give you a rundown, quick rundown <laughs> is uh, Cardiac and Chance are going after the same guy. This guy is making some sort of like machine or supplement or something that makes uh, like young high school or college age athletes become swole. Um, so Cardiac is going after him because that apparently has some sort of terrible reaction where kids can develop like Alzheimer's or some kind of memory loss type deal. And chance is going after them because the competitor who makes uh, like weight gaining muscle bars or whatever uh, wants to get rid of the competition. So chance is a gun for hire and cardiac just doesn't like him because he's hurting young people. See, perfect summary. I already knew I didn't need to read it. Thank you. And then they fight and then, uh, the guy ends up inside the machine when it gets electrified by one of the guys, which makes its voltage even higher, and the guy loses his entire memory, including who he is. And that's how it ends. So it sounds like they just wanted another story about Alzheimer's, and they threw this in. Yeah, it was a really weird tie-in. Yeah. Really weird. Um, but I don't know who Chance is, so my backstory is that he is Jay Gapsby. But he didn't die, and he became an assassin, because that's exactly the feel that he gives off. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's better he even than, says something like, oh, boy. That's better than the, the summary that you, like, not the summary that you gave, but, like, the summary of this story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's better than that. So, okay. okay I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't get paid. He makes bets. So, he wasn't paid to assassinate someone. He bet that he could assassinate someone. So that's his thing. He likes to gamble. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Why does this exist? So, okay, when we get to ratings, I'm going to rate this 10 page of this thing, and it's going to be a one to three. Just get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I take. Yeah, I take. I take. Any other questions <laughs> on that that I can just throw out how much I think it's stupid? Yeah, no, I'll let, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. <laughs> So ratings. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all right, ratings. If this is the first time you've listened to the show, we do a ratings at the end of it most of the time. Uh, one to three is ban it from Marvel canon. It shouldn't exist. Get rid of it. It's crap. It's garbage. Uh, four to seven is borrow it. Borrow it from the library. Borrow it from a friend. Read it on Marvel Unlimited. Whatever you got to do to read it, you should read it, but you don't need to buy it. Eight to ten is buy it. Own it. Add it to your collection. It's really good. You should hang it up on the walls or at least put it in your long box or whatever. So, with that being said, 386 to 388, the first 45 pages. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go eight. Uh, this is what I'm going to try and track down and own, I think. I, yeah. I, it hit me emotionally, and I liked it a lot. So <laughs> I know, like, I, I want to go back and listen to some of our old episodes and see how many times I rate similar to everybody else. But the whole time I read this, I was thinking, this is an eight. This is easily an eight. Mm-hmm. This is one of the first Spider-Man arcs that we've read that I was like, this is on par 
with some of the X-Men stuff. Yeah, I don't think I've given any of them a rating that would suggest I would buy it. I don't think I have either. Yeah. Oh, except for no, the ones that had the little character studies at the end, like Aunt May going to the grave and all that stuff. Okay. I remember the birthday party with Lizard. I think that was <laughs> I think that was 360. I think we said buy that one, but that was it of that arc. Uh, so yeah, I I mean, yeah, definitely an 8, mm-hmm. easy 8 on this one. So uh, if you're a Spider-Man fan, you owe it to yourself to read this and buy it and own it because it's it's really good. The art's fantastic and, and it's a really good story. Yeah. And then just rip those last couple pages out in the yeah. back. <laughs> rip all 10 pages out of yeah. the back. Uh, so next week, we're going to be covering Avengers 370 to 372. You can find a full list of upcoming episodes on marvelmythos.com. Uh, sometimes we have a second opinion piece. If you'd like to contribute to that, please check out our upcoming list on marvelmythos.com and send me an email at marvelmythospodcast at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram at marvel underscore mythos and on Twitter at marvelmythospod. And uh, we'll see you next time. They were synthesoids. I was right. I thought you said they were clones. They're kind of clones. They're not really clones, no. pretty much clones. But they also... Didn't realize they were fake. True. Yep. That was the point of the UN scene. Yeah. Okay. To yes. show that they thought that they were real. Mm-hmm. Yes. I will give you that part. Uh, yeah. Um, sorry, Austin. You're going to have to work for this one. Sorry. <laughs> I just got sidetracked because I was trying to find something else out. Need some caffeine? <clears throat> no, I was like, hey, I totally get, you know, this Aunt May having that reaction from Peter, but if it were the Aunt May from Spider Man Homecoming, like I would never be like, Oh, you've got Alzheimer's. So they can't play well, this story yeah. in Homecoming. Like Yeah. But, so then I was like, crap, what is her freaking name? <laughs> Sorry. Epic fail, Austin. I need to get some caffeinated marshmallows. You know how they make those? That sounds disgusting. <laughs> that really sounds disgusting. Just put them in some hot chocolate. Tiff, Tiff okay, put, maybe. Tiff makes dirt pudding, and it's amazing, but she decided for Easter to put marshmallow Easter bunnies on the dirt pudding. Oh. It, it wasn't all over it, so like you could just pick it off and it was fine, but it, it didn't go well together when I took that bite. Yikes. Yeah. Dirt pudding is a, is a treasure. <laughs> 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 All right, so...